Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to Passion. It's all about love, sex, and relationships. So first I want to apologize for last night's last minute replay. If you noticed, uh, we had repeated a show. I had a bit of an emergency, but all is good now. Uh, But I want to take this opportunity to give a really big shout out. And I think we need to do more of these shout outs to the wonderful people uh, in the front lines. But to the ER staff at the Lakeshore, they were absolutely wonderful. I have to say it was a bit scary being there because of COVID, but... They were constantly disinfecting, sanitizing, so careful that they made everybody feel really safe. So I have to say I have a lot of gratitude and admiration for all, all of our frontline workers, especially during these crazy, crazy times. Uh, Tonight, later in the program, we are going to focus on consensual non-monogamy. It is our alternative sex night, so we continue discussing things that are a little bit outside the norm, and uh, we will be joined by Lexi Silver, who is uh, an expert in, in this area. But first... Let's take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800. So I may uh, start to, uh, or I may continue to answer questions well after the first segment if uh, many more questions comes in simply because I didn't get a chance and I feel badly for people who didn't get their questions. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Hi, doctor. I was listening to your program regarding papilloma, or HPV, I guess is what you mean. Why do gynecologists tell women they are not required to have a pap smear after the age of 50? But actually, I'm surprised that that's what they're saying because post-menopausally, after, let's say, around 50, but after you reach menopause, it is customary or recommended, I should say, by the uh, obstetrics and gynecologist uh, organizations, that it should be, pap smear should be done every three years uh, after menopause until about 65, but only if you've had three years in a row of uh, normal pap tests And you can stop at 65 as long as you haven't had any abnormal ones in the past 10 years. So you don't stop at 50, nor do you stop going to see a gynecologist. You actually continue to uh, to make sure you get pelvic exams. Uh, So that's that's it. Let's see. Hello, Dr. Laurie. A girlfriend in her 50s, healthy, not on any meds, and not pregnant... She has started to lactate from both breasts, and it and it is breast milk. How and why? Nothing clear on the net. Um, as you know, I'm not a medical doctor, so this kind of thing, uh, probably related to hormones somewhere. But I would not. I like. I would go to the doctor uh, very quickly. I'm not an alarmist, but it's uh, something odd that shouldn't be happening. Maybe it's nothing, but maybe it's something. So it needs to definitely, uh, definitely be uh, be checked out. <laughs> Just Drew, I'm sorry now that I whined about it being a repeat. We should all be more considerate of everybody's possible issues. Thank you, Drew. A little compassion can go a long way because you never know what somebody's going through and you never know the reason. So yes, you can quit the whining. Um, how normal is it for male sexual interest 
to drop after climax. What to do to keep up the flame even after sex? Seems like postponing the climax keeps up the interest longer. So after climax, there is a refractory period, a period of like, you know, down, basically recuperation, if you will, uh, until you regenerate again and then can have uh, another orgasm. So there are people who practice the uh, prolonging, you could do this yourself, like prolonging your erection, prolonging your pleasure. And it's very much in the practice of tantric sexuality where they um, kind of teach you how to stay at a level of arousal that's just below the uh, the surface of that point of no return. So it's something that um, you could absolutely practice on your own. I would suggest that you look up um, things like that, like you look up tantric sex, you look up a prolonging your um, erection. Uh, there's other methods too. Uh, uh, there's like ways we train men, in fact, to, uh, especially for men who have premature ejaculation to last longer, but it really requires being very focused on your, uh, sensations. So part of that is, uh, learning also how to be mindfully, uh, like mindful sex basically is how to be in your body and not in your mind, but really focusing on the here and now focusing on, um, you know, on what your, uh, what your body is feeling. So this is in response to, we had last, uh, I guess on Monday night, we had somebody who had texted in saying they found their, uh, boyfriend in bed, uh, with another woman, or maybe it was a, no, it was, uh, her, the girlfriend or fiance in bed with another man. And this one wrote, I found my fiance in bed with a woman at his place several years ago, and I'm still disturbed by it. It removed my ability to ever trust another partner again. And that's sad. Like it shows you the extent of betrayal, right? And how, uh, betrayal can be so traumatic that just the thought of being in another relationship triggers the, the trauma again, but it's something, look, not everybody is like that. And one person shouldn't have to pay for everybody, you know, um, or everybody shouldn't have to pay for one person's mistakes. It's like blaming all men because one man did this. Um, so it's something that you should probably work through with, uh, with a therapist to develop trust, to be able to identify maybe trusting information like, uh, red flags and, and such, like you'd be able to pick up on stuff. Not that you can know people do cheat. Sometimes you never know you can't, there's no like real profile, but you can certainly pick out somebody who's more toxic to could be more toxic, for example. So there are some things that, that you definitely, uh, definitely can, can learn, uh, through therapy. I just find it sad that you will now forever not be, uh, with somebody simply because you feel that they would too betray you in, 
in the same way. You build trust and that trust is important in any friendship. If you have any questions, um, please send them along to me. I am happy to, uh, to answer them. If you have any questions also about how to engage in sexual non-monogamy, how to create rules about that, if any questions that you have about that, we're going to have our expert on as well to answer those questions. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Tonight it's our alternative sex night and uh, before I bring uh, Lexi Silver on to talk about not, uh, consensual non-monogamy, I want to continue to answer a few of your questions. I don't like making you wait for answers, so let me do that uh, right now because Lexi gave me the okay. She's like, it's okay. You can go ahead and answer these questions. She has her own questions to answer after. Um, I have a question and somewhat of an issue that has been eating me up inside. My gr- girlfriend and I have been dating for six months. We both, we've known each other for five years. We both live, we're living at our parents at the same, at the time. And we made the decision to move in together. Before the move, we were like rabbits, amazing chemistry. It's been a month we have been living together and her sex drive has disappeared, she says. Or she says she still loves me and still finds me attractive, but could there be something else? She says she doesn't find herself attractive or sexy anymore. She gained a few pounds, but not such a drastic change. And also to add, she has been stressed at work. Thank you and love your show. Uh, so good, very good question. It's actually probably one of the more common questions that I get. So think about this. She, there's a few issues here, uh, that are affecting her sex drive or at least her spontaneous sex drive or feeling good about herself sexually, which I'm going to tell you right now, hardly, if she tells you she's attracted to you, it has nothing to do with you believe her because oftentimes it, it has nothing to do with the with the partner she's gained a few pounds and of course not a big deal to you but maybe to her maybe her own um body image issues maybe she struggles with that and this is something that has affected her desire add to that the stress at work add to that the covid situation add to that the fact that you uh, are it living in a new situation now, right? You're together all the time. Whereas before you were, whenever you got to see each other, you would take the opportunity, the chance to have sex. But now that you're, you live together every day, it's like, we get into a pattern of, well, maybe tomorrow, you know, tonight I'm really tired. So how about tomorrow? And then tomorrow comes and there's another tomorrow. And next thing you know, there's been like 30 tomorrows, 60 tomorrows. So it's a pattern that people tend to get into. Um, it's something we need to be mindful of and, and aware of. Of course, you can make your partner feel uh, loved and beautiful and all that. And that's still, uh, still very important, but she has her own work to do in, in, with regards to, to her body image issues. The other thing too, is in, in long-term relationships, this is more true of women than it is of men. And this is a lot of women in long-term relationships tend to lose the spontaneous desire for sex. They lose that horniness and it doesn't mean they're not interested like they're interested in sex like if they think about it it's something they would want to they want to want to so their interest is there their attraction to their partner is there 
but the oomph to get there is gone. And so they have to put themselves in situations, uh, relax enough to be able to say yes to pleasure, basically. It's not just yes to sex, it's yes to pleasure because it's something that you, you share with your partner and it should be something that's fun, not felt like it's a chore, it's something I have to do. Saying yes to pleasure is like saying yes to a good meal, uh, going out on a good date and having a good meal. And why wouldn't you want to do that, you know? So sometimes we get a bit lazy and, and we don't put ourselves in that situation, but this is where the efforts have to be made. So having a talk with her about it, letting her know that you, you want to continue to be sexual, you find her attractive, you, um, but you want to work on it with her. These are the things that need to be uh, kind of addressed. If uh, she, maybe she needs help to deal with stuff and that's okay too. You can encourage her. You can say, Hey, I'll go with you. We can, we could talk about it with another person to see something we can work on it together. What can we do together? So if you keep the together, um, attitude, that's far better than saying you need help. You better go get help. There's something wrong with you, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, Hello and good night. Just curious, when a woman tells you she appreciates you, how do you interpret that? Uh, that she appreciates you? Uh, I'm not sure. Are you trying to say, instead of saying, I love you, she says, I appreciate you? I'm not quite sure um, what that actually said. She appreciates your friendship. She appreciates your presence. She appreciates you in her life. What are you looking for? What do you think it says? I mean, you know the person, so what do you think it says? Um, in response to the person who wrote in before, self-esteem is huge, huge, huge for women. I hope that young that young woman takes her time with herself and the boyfriend is patient enough to work things through with her. Being like rabbits is only part of being together, and it's often the part of the beginning of being together, the beginning of that. Um, I dated a bi woman for about a year. I was aware she had a female lover. She had her cake and ate it too, but I felt like the third wheel and no, never a threesome. Her lover was definitely lesbian. Can't work. Not long, uh, not long term, I guess. Well, not if you want more, I suppose. And this is consensual non-monogamy right there, right? That's a, a, a perfect example. Why don't we educated people not cheat at home? If you guys are horny, rather pay for massage or go to strip club than cheat. So you're saying that's, is that not a form of cheating? So if you go to a massage parlor and have a happy ending or go to a strip club, okay, I can get the strip club unless you're getting a lot more at the strip club than just visuals. Um, it's not cheating. I think there's less of a risk of developing feelings and emotions for somebody than having an, an affair with someone for sure. But it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, next one. Is this common? A young woman who prefers older men. I'm 72 and my fiance is 46. We've been together for almost six years now. We both have our own places. We don't live together, but we are always together every day. Um, is it common to have such an age gap? I would say no, it's not so common. The most common 
is you know between three and five years is probably the most common age gap but does it happen sure it happens and every situation is different you have uh, 72 year olds that uh, you know can take on a 50 year old or a 40 year old at the gym or you have like it all depends right it's it, i think it's a very individual thing um it does it mean that the woman has you know, daddy issues. No, it's not necessarily about somebody who has issues, although it could be, but regardless of that, if the relationship works, you're both, you're both a mature adults. If the relationship works for both of you and, and it's okay, then I don't see a problem with it. Who's judging you? Okay. Maybe some people are judging, but don't, don't care. Like if it works for you, it works for you. And, uh, and that's fine. I'll leave some questions for tomorrow night. You know, the beginning of every show, I do answer some of your questions. It's just that I didn't want to get, uh, you know, bogged down with too many, uh, questions unanswered. So, um, I hope you will forgive me, Lexi Silver for that. But, um, are you ready to go and talk about, uh, consensual non-monogamy? This is something of course, that you know a lot about. Uh, Lexi Silver is the uh, erotica author of Mating Season, a collection of short stories uh, based on her real-life experiences living a kinky and unconventional lifestyle. Uh, She produces a monthly erotic storytelling webinar series called Cocktails and Erotic Tales, very, very popular. She's a podcaster, educator. She's a coach for consensual non-monogamy and the swinging lifestyle. So people who have questions about that, who need to be coached. And I, and I think it's important, actually, you don't just go into it and say, Oh, let's, let's be open and, and just go out there. It doesn't work (laughs) like that. There's a lot of stuff involved and a lot of things you want to consider if you don't want your relationship to fall apart, of course, after that, and, and having somebody coach you through that process is a, is a good plan, right, Lexi? Absolutely. Absolutely. You, we can't just, you know, jump into it. Like you said, Lori, and thank you, by the way, for that introduction and for having <laughs> me back on the show. I don't Always really welcome. With that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, whenever you're starting anything new in a relationship or in your sex life, you, there needs to be some kind of uh, introduction or some kind of understanding of what it is you're getting yourself into before you just jump into it. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I do, like, I do see a lot of couples who bring it up. So some couples bring it up because let's say they're having, uh, they have a, a desire difference in their relationship. So one of them, the one usually with more desire will say, well, I suggested we have an open marriage. Like that would, that would settle it for me. Like I'd be okay. My needs would be met. And that one thing, I think one of the biggest things we should say important things is that opening your relationship will not solve a relationship problem. Absolutely. I say that all the time. Some people think it's like a fix, right? It's right. to be able to have sex with other people, to open your relationship. They think it'll fix whatever issues there are. Oh, well, I'm not really that attracted to my partner anymore. I'm not really feeling the urge to have sex with them. You know, that kind of thing. It will not do that. It will just exacerbate any issues that you are already having in your relationship. So you, if you are interested in opening up your relationship, whether you've already spoken to your partner about it or not, if you have other pre-existing issues in your relationship, 
especially communication issues, mm. you absolutely need to work on those first before even contemplating opening up your relationship. And especially if, let's say, you, a couple is are having trouble and so they're not connecting themselves sexually so they feel disconnected then you have one person who starts to go outside of the relationship they're not going to feel any more connected to their partner they're going to feel even more disconnected so the couples who engage and who who do this successfully are couples who are very connected actually have probably a stronger bond and i think there's even research on this to show this that they have a they have a a stronger bond and less issues with trust and jealousy and things like that mostly because they talk about all of these issues and all these issues come up a lot and they they're constantly debriefing yes Right. And that's it's so true. And people who are in there are lots of different kinds of open relationships. But the whole idea is if you're going to do something uh, with other people and you're not just two people in your relationship anymore, in the sense of whether it's swinging and it's just a sexual thing or if you're, you know, full on polyamorous and there are other, you know, full on relationships going on. There is so much communication that has to happen. And if you're not actually having those conversations, then you are, things are definitely going to go wrong. Absolutely. And there's, uh, there's lots of different things we have to communicate about, which we will talk about. What are the things we need to consider when, uh, if we're thinking about uh, making our relationship consensually non-monogamous? From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Okay, I think Lexi uh, Silver, our guest here, is going to like this stupid sex story of the day. Here's the headline. Polyamorous house guest angers her host by lecturing them on how their monogamous relationship is destined to fail. Uh, <laughs> so I, I always find these on Reddit, right? So be, there's, this, there's this place on Reddit or subreddit where you can post like a situation and then people respond to it. So I find a lot of really stupid situations there. But anyhow, uh, so this is what I what she wrote. My friend Emily is staying with my husband and I for a week. She was evicted from her apartment after an incident with her ex-boyfriend and she just had two weeks until her new lease started and nowhere to go. So, she, so she's staying in our apartment. One of the house rules I gave her was no visitors, partners, Emily is Polly, and she has five current partners. Sounds like a lot. And when I told her none would be able to visit, as I am an asthmatic and I'm trying to stay safe, hello COVID, there was a lot of complaining. Twice she compared her experience of me not allowing a visit from her partners to homophobia, which pissed me off because I'm queer. She later, she's bisexual actually. And Emily is straight and that's a hell of a thing to accuse a queer person of. Well, I ignored her because I feel like it's my house, my rules. Uh, In two weeks, only five days left, she can resume life as normal. That wasn't the last thing that her and her husband had to ignore. She said, these happen almost every night at dinner when my husband and I have finished a long day of work. We are at our dinner table and have to be lectured by a house guest as to why monogamous relationships defy nature, how they're all destined to fail in a pile of cheating and jealousy, and how much more enlightened Polly is. 
I have no problem with Polly, but I just see it as a preference, not an inherently better relationship model. We ignored that behavior as well. Uh, and then she said, for some reason, I was feeling sweet, um, probably all the wine I had, and decided to pull out my wedding album. I was looking through pictures with her, and I pointed out that the ceremony pick is my favorite because it's just super cute. And she says, yeah, it's cute, but it's kind of a lie to promise a lifetime to someone. It's just not realistic. I then went to my room, slammed the door, and cried. I haven't spoken to her since. So here's somebody pushing... You know, pushing her agenda, let's just say, onto somebody else. I get it that some people have that belief that monogamy is not possible or that it's unnatural or destined to fail. But we also know that there's research that shows that people are wired for monogamy and some are actually wired for non-monogamy. So, And it's also a choice. There's the wiring part, but there's also the uh the choice part right so here i want to share this uh, this text and and tell me what you think about this um consensual non-monogamy should not be said in the same sentence with with the term married couple and to even insinuate to say i love you but you are not the only one for me is somewhat silly intercourse is an intimate act or if you like the term making love we can bs each other and say i am in love with you but Nothing wrong if you want to have multiple lovers, but if you are married, you downgraded to a mutual arrangement. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. By the way, I consider myself a rather non-monogamous guy, but I am not going to BS myself or others. So, I don't know. What do you what do you make of that? Because this person is saying marriage means two, you know, means two people and and fidelity. Except that for everybody, your contract is what you make it. Your marriage contract is what you make it. I know that if you don't talk about it beforehand, the assumption is if we get married, it's for fidelity, right? We think, okay, for life, for fidelity, for building family, blah, blah, blah. We don't think about that this is going to change down the line or that I thought you wanted, uh, you know, open marriage. Anyway, you don't make those assumptions. You go into thinking it's going to be about fidelity unless you have a discussion. Yes. So how does that discussion begin? What are the things people (laughs) should talk about? Well, I mean, even just starting off, like before you even there, so there are different types of conversations before you even get started in any kind of relationship. If you're, let's say, just dating that making those assumptions that, you know, the person uh, that you're talking to or that you're dating is going to want to be monogamous because that seems to be the default setting for most people is erroneous. We can't just make assumptions like that without asking the person what that means. Plus, even if somebody does think monogamy is, is for them and they are monogamous, that's great. What does that mean for them? Does in in their in that situation is kissing another person cheating? Is looking at another person cheating? Is going to a strip club cheating? You know, the, even within any kind of relationship, there are certain boundaries, there are certain things and rules that we can negotiate, and that's different for every per, every different kind of relationship. Whether it's 
you know, a monogamous one or any kind of open relationship. So we have to have those conversations. We can't just assume that if I tell a person, hey, I'm polyamorous, and they say, hey, I'm also polyamorous, but we have two completely different ways of being polyamorous, it doesn't mean that they will necessarily click. And I can't assume that the way I'm poly means that, you know, they're doing it wrong Mm -hmm. or that they can't tell me or judge me by the way I'm doing it. We're all individuals. We're all able to have our own and construct our own kinds of relationships based on whatever works for us. Right. So So judging other people for it is not cool. (laughs) Right. No, not cool at all. Uh, Which is why, though, you have to be able to have the conversation before marriage like it's not something that you think yeah don't think you're going to get married and then bring it up and then everything's going to be hunky-dory like unless you're unless you've already had that discussion and you know that your partner is on the same page as you you can't just hope that the, it's it's like even for other things like practicing kinks or introducing fetishes don't just go in it hoping that the love you have is enough to carry you through that anything will go, you know, or that you, then you will be able to share this information. This is the yeah. kind, when these are too, when their things are too important to you or they are things you believe in, some people truly like that story, right? Some people live and breathe it, right? They believe in it so strongly that they go around telling everybody it's the best thing since sliced bread, but it isn't for everybody. And this is what right. we're, we're trying to really, uh, really point out here. So I yeah. do want to talk about, um, like how to, how to start, how to approach the subject. So let's say a couple is married and they've been, they've been talking a little bit, you know, like maybe starting off with sharing fantasies, not actually doing anything, but introducing other people into their, into their fantasies. It's very different moving from that to real life. Uh, it's, Absolutely. Right. And we need to, we need to address that because some people are, some people are not okay even with fantasies that involve other people. So yeah. there's, you know, so there's one level so we can have polyamorous in your mind and then polyamorous in reality. <laughs> I guess we'll have to move through both of those things. But just goes yeah. to show you how much stuff we have to really kind of get through, you know. Uh, we're talking with Lexi Silver. She is the author of a, a fabulous erotica novel called Mating Seasons, a bunch of short stories based on her own experiences. And I forget when I was reading, you know, some of the stories that did she go through that? Really? It's like, (laughs) I forget that I know you and that that's you, right? It's kind of funny. Uh, you can also catch her on cocktails and erotic tales. She'll tell you, you can find out all of that actually on her website, lexisilver.com, Lexi with an I silver with a Y and get all of that information. So if you have questions about consensual non-monogamy, is it something that you've thought of? Is it something that you fantasized about wished for some people it's in their fantasies and it would be like oh that would be ideal but they would never do it in real life i'd love to hear some of your thoughts at 514-800 passion with dr Lori batito on cjad 800 we're talking about consensual non-monogamy for others, their open relationships, polyamorous relationships. I didn't want to get into all the different types. I think we've kind of 
talked about that over the years, all the different kinds of uh, formulations of, of relationships. So we, put, we can put them all under the umbrella of consensual non-monogamy. In other words, you consent to being non-monogamous. If you were just plain old non-monogamous, maybe you'd be a cheater. So we're not talking about going behind somebody's back. We're talking about two people who make the decision to be married or together or coupled whatever, as a primary relationship, but to have these external, um, either relationships in polyamory or just sexual experiences, either together or separately. Again, there are so many combinations and permutations of the way that you can have a consensually non-monogamous relationship, which is why we've been talking about the, um, the, the, the importance of communicating what you're what you think it is, what you, what you want. You can't just throw out a word and say, let's do this without knowing what the, this is to that person, because we can have different definitions as you clearly stated, Lexi, right? Yeah. And it's dangerous to assume that your partner is totally on the same page as you. Just if you say, I want it, it, let's say, you know, we talk about the most common fantasy out there, you know, and and like you intimated before, maybe, you know, you, um, you talk about having a a threesome fantasy, which is the most common fantasy for people to, to have and to talk about. So, you know, maybe in my mind, my threesome fantasy involves two guys, Mm -hmm. maybe in my partner's mind, it involves two girls. So both of us saying, yeah, let's do it. It doesn't match up, right? There's obviously a mismatch. So there has to be communication about what does that look like, right? Even, I mean, way steps ahead, way, way, way before you even agree to doing anything. So, you know, you you mentioned before you were asking, you know, how do you, let's say you're married, you're in a couple, you're in in, in a, like, committed relationship, and you are, you know, you've evolved, you've, you're together, you, you love each other, but, you know, you, you want to spice things up. You're both interested in trying something new. There, you know, in talking about having those kinds of fantasies, whether it's threesomes or other stuff, maybe it's even just, you know, watching other people have sex. Maybe it's, mm-hmm. you know, um, being, having other people watch you have sex, you know, that could, that still can fall under monogamy, could fall under monogamish, it could fall under some form of an open relationship, right. you know? Monogamish, not, I like yeah, that one too. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the labels sometimes because things get blurred. It's really about what that means in terms of what it means for you, the definition for you, what that right, means right. and what that looks like. But, right. you know, having those conversations, creating these fantasies, fantasies together and seeing what is turning on your partner, what is it that is sexy for them about it? You know, like, hey, you know, that like we've been talking about this. We've been, you know, having uh, we've been talking about these fantasies about having a threesome together. You know, uh, what would you think of maybe was that something you want to do in real life? Is that something that, you know, would be interesting to you? And if your partner says yes, like, OK, well, what would that look like for you what is that what you know what is what if the answer but what if the answer is what do you mean yes you know no well I mean but but look I mean that happens all the time right the first thing that we often think of especially when you're going from monogamy to anything else there's uh there's a feeling of um within us obviously that you know oh my god I'm not enough I'm not sexy enough I'm not good enough they want someone else I'm gonna be replaced or this all, all, all kinds of different uh, insecurities yes, like yes. rise up, right? Especially oh, sure. if we're 
especially if we're not feeling super confident, right? Especially if we're, maybe we've gained a couple of pounds because we're, you know, in quarantine, or maybe we aren't feeling super great about ourselves, or, you know, maybe just we're just a normal human being with normal insecurities. It's just so normal to have that. So you'll notice, like, and I've noticed too with a lot of the folks that I've coached is jealousy and insecurity comes up a lot, but it's not insurmountable in the sense that talking about it and talking about what makes you feel that way, um, what is bringing, what is it exactly about talking about being open? Um, what is it that is bringing up in terms of these insecurities? Is it making you feel like you're not enough for your partner? And why is that happening? Right. right? The, you Jealousy is an emotion like anything else. You could be jealous of a colleague, of a sister, hmm. of a friend. So, it, it, it has a place in everywhere, every walk of life. It's okay to feel jealousy. It's not okay to, you know, yell at your partner because you're feeling jealous. But What you, you know. do about it, yeah. Well, th- listen, yeah. like here, I, I like what uh, this person wrote. Just the idea of my wife kissing another man makes me want to vomit. And that's okay. That's not, that means in, in, in this case, you know, this person is not okay with the idea of an open relationship because it it creates this visceral response in them that exactly. it's not it, it doesn't work for them. And like you said before, Lori, it's monogamy is not for everyone. Consensual non-monogamy is not for everyone. Everyone is different, yeah. and that's okay. If you can't be open, that's not a problem. If you can't be monogamous, that's okay too. Right. It's as as long as you and your partner are on the same page. And that's the, that's the key. It's like, it's perfect. You want to be monogamous. You don't want to see your partner having sex with anybody else. You're not okay with that. I'm good with that. You should be good with that. It's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but people who choose to be non-monogamous there's ethical non-monogamy too. Like we have to talk about the cheating is the unethical part. Doing it behind mm-hmm. somebody's back is the unethical way to do it. If this is who you are, if you know this about yourself, and most people I think do, right? They d- discover this about themselves that they can't do monogamy. Yeah. Then be very clear about whoever you date or whoever you're with that you are not a monog- You can commit See, there's, I guess maybe the word commit people have an issue with too, right? It's like one person wrote commitment, committed, wrong word, committed to one, <laughs> not several. So, but you commit, like, what does the word commitment mean? First of all, I come home to you. You are my primary partner. I will have children with you. I like whatever that means to you, because mm-hmm. uh, you can commit even within a consensually non-monogamous relationship, right? Yeah, for sure. And you could also be in, let's say, a polyamorous relationship where you have multiple relationships and you have children with more than one partner. Or you're, li- I mean, we're oh, talking man, about that sound a totally different. It does, it, it, and it can be, right? Uh, all relationships are complicated. But yes, that does add extra levels. But commitment, like you said, it, it's all about the definition. What does that mean for you? And as long as you both agree on it, I think issues arise in any kind of relationship when both people don't feel like there is um, equity or equality in terms of their needs being met, whatever that means. So Mm -hmm. it could be, you know, one person like uh, one person has 
uh, very low desire, the other person has very high sexual desire, and they don't agree in terms of how they can regulate that together. And some people do open relationships where one partner is open and the other person, who for, sometimes it's the person who has low libido, decides, well, that's okay that for you to go out and do that. I'm not interested in that. Right. Or and I'm a, exactly. That it could work. It could work if if there's an agreement, of course. Yeah. And I've known, like I've I've worked with couples where that was the case, but it was very specific. Like the, here's the parameters of what I'm okay with. Yeah. I don't, I, you know, I'm okay with you having random, like uh, casual sex. I'm not okay with you developing a relationship with someone you have sex with. Right. For example. Boundaries, right? You have to, and that comes with communication. You don't discover that just randomly, right? No, you exactly. have to, before going into that, navigating, you know, those waters, you have to have that conversation like, okay, I'm okay with you doing X, Y, and Z, but ABC for me would make me feel really bad and I would not feel okay with that. That would be a betrayal of my trust. That would make me feel hurt. So that, those things are off the table, but this is, these things are still on the menu. And right. as long as everyone is in agreement and transparent about that, yes. and as things develop and evolve, you, there can be a, an open dialogue to renegotiate those boundaries over time, because that has to happen often in relationships, any kind of relationship. Right. That's what's important. The communication is the core of all of it, of every healthy relationship. Yes, no no question about it. I think it's, uh, it's very important what you just said, that... Uh... We need to keep those communication open and we always, and if you're not good with it, you can say you're not good with it. You have to be transparent with it. Just saying that we're in an open relationship does not mean anything goes. It does not mean you can change the rules. The changing of the rules becomes the betrayal. So even in non-monogamous relationships, you can betray your partner. I think we, you know, yep. that works there too. So you have to be, uh, this is why it, everything has to be so transparent, where as cheating is co- the opposite of transparency. It's the secret, uh, secret uh, um, secrecy and, and the betrayal and all of that happens. Everything beha- happens behind closed doors. So yeah. it's uh, completely different. Lexi, always very interesting to have you on the program. <laughs> uh, so tell us where can people uh, hear you, see you, read you? Thanks so much for having me again, Lori. And people can find me, like you said before, LexiSilver.com. Lexi with an I, Silver with a Y. And you could find me also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and a variety of other places. Also, Lexi Silver, Lexi with an I, Silver with a Y. And you can get your own copy of Mating Season, my very filthy book of short erotic stories on my website and also on Amazon and Amazon Kindle. So pick yourself up a copy. (laughs) And where can people watch your Cocktails and Erotic Tales? Where does that come from? You can get your tickets. I do them uh, pretty much monthly, and I have a bunch of other events coming up as well. So you can get all of my events, uh, the details about that on LexiSilver.com slash events. And uh, you can get the tickets there, and uh, you can join me for live erotic storytelling and some sexy games. (laughs) That's fun. Always fun to talk (laughs) with you, Lexi. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And that's it for us. Uh, Thank you for spending your time with us. Thanks to our technical producer, Chris Aikens. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, DrLori.com, where you can also find our podcast. If you have the iHeartRadio app, you can find the best 
rest of the show and other shows uh, on the CJD page on iHeartRadio as well. Coming up next year on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.